Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, I want to talk to you about romanticism. What does it mean? There's been so much in media, TV, books, uh, movies, where there's this romanticism of suicide, of death, of life, and the hereafter. And I recognize that in myself, my romanticizing of life and love and relationships and and work in the world and travel, like it's, anything can be romanticized, right? Even uh, being in a toxic relationship, an abusive relationship, it's, it's just so romantic doing drugs. There's something so, the tortured um, artist, there's something so romantic about being tortured and, and conflicted and, and pulled in two directions and all these things. And um, so I really want to talk about it because underneath that romanticism is so much suffering. And, and if, you know, you don't consider yourself a romantic or not quite sure, it's basically romantic. Romanticism is like this idealism and this emotional intensity and in a strong belief in the power of love and affection. You know, we're just so passionate, like the character in Vicky Cristina Bar Barcelona, I forget, um, the, the Latin, Penelope Cruz, right? Penelope Cruz is a romantic. The, the girl who Javier Bardem uh, is trying to woo, um, she's romantic, like, they, they've, I, they've idealized what travel would mean and what being with someone outside of their relationships would mean and to be, to have an affair and be part of a throuple and be with an artist. It, like, all of it just seems so romantic. And then it got real. All of a sudden... <laughs> Somebody pulls out a gun, starts shooting, uh, the, the art gets destroyed, the relationships get undone, like it, things hit the fan real quick. But that's, that's why we love romantic comedies, because romantic comedies is just, is just fun and games from pretty much beginning to end. But in dramas, oh, it start, dramas typically start off romantic you know guy meets a girl they fall in love and then the girl finds out that the guy has some dark history all of a sudden it's not romantic anymore it's scary it's a thriller it's a horror and and now she's trying to get out and so the same thing with suicide is we have to make sure that we're aware that the images that we see in in, in media like it's it's really this glossification of what it really means to no longer be here. And like I said, I'm guilty of romanticizing. This is why I'm practicing the guitar. You know, like I see guitar players, I'm like, oh, that must be cool. But it is painstaking 
to practice the guitar, to to contort my left, especially my left arm. Like I don't have great shoulder mobility or finger dexterity. And immediately, as soon as I start practicing the guitar, I get this pain down the right side of my neck. And my fingers hurt and my back is cr- like, and I try to adjust and my teacher's like, you know, sit up straight, turn this over, you know, hold it like this. And it, I just never feel comfortable with the guitar. But, you know, when I see guys like Keith Richards or Lenny Kravitz or Prince or any of these, you know, even Muddy Waters, any of these guitar players, uh, Citizen Cope, one of my favorites, you know, playing the guitar. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be the dude at on a beach, um, at a fire pit, right? Roasted marshmallows, few friends around, maybe about, uh, you know, seven, I think eight, eight total. That's a good number. Fireside chat, late night, hanging out, roasting a few things, telling a few jokes. And then Leo Flowers breaks out the guitar. Now it's not enough for them to, for it to be some other guitar player there. I want to be the center of attention. I want to be the one where everybody's like, you know, bobbing their head and clapping or snapping their fingers or singing along, whatever. I want to be that guy, you know, with the hat that's a little too big for my body. I have some uh, bracelets on. <laughs> You know, but but I romanticize that, but yet it is painful. I'm 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 experiencing extreme discomfort to achieve this. But you don't see that, you know. I don't I don't see all the the hours that these guitar players put into it, you know. Um, even travel, travel. We romanticize traveling. It just looks amazing. To get on a plane, I thought I remember when I was a kid. I man, I was like, it would be so dope to to you know go from New York to L.A. for a day and then fly right back. Like yeah, I just got to drop off in L.A. real quick, get some work done. I'm gonna go back to New York, and and now that I'm 47, yeah, I, I have zero interest and doing a quick New York to L.A. I'm thinking about jet lag, back pain. Um, you know, I, I need my sleep. I don't need my sleep disrupted. But but that's, you know, but that's what r- romantics do is we we have this vision of how amazing something is, and we have so much passion for it that even when we get it, we recognize how painful and and sometimes boring. You know, I just did um, the La Jolla Playhouse with Hassan Minhaj, and we did six shows, 500 people each show, was sold out. Dope, it was an amazing experience, awesome weekend, a great conversation with Hassan. Uh, but there were parts of the weekend that were a bit boring. But if you saw it on social media, you'd be like, man, he he performed 
in front of 3,000 people total. Got to hang out with Hassan. Uh, you know, we, we we worked out. We went to the movies. Like, you, you would have thought the whole weekend was awesome. But no, there were parts that you're like, all right. The, you know, part of the the movie went to go see Barbie. <laughs> we were the only two guys in there watching Barbie, and uh, of course, I was. I mean, it, it, I'm I'm not the target demographic, so I won't speak on the movie. And then there was a, a, a young lady uh, sleeping behind us, so I was like, okay, it's not just you know me as a guy not being really into this movie. Uh, there's some women who are falling asleep during it also but but we i could romanticize it i romanticize touring and performing in front of all those people to the point where you think it's just all peaches and cream and not recognizing the amount of work and effort and downtime that comes along with some of these things so if you're like, I don't know if I'm a romantic part, you know, some of the characteristics of being a romantic is idealism, right? We have a tendency to see the world through an idealized and optimistic perspective. You might even be with somebody who you're like, oh, they can do no wrong. Um, you know, they're the best. Uh, you know, everything that they do, even if it hurts or causes us pain, we're, we're, we always brush off as, you know, that they had the best intentions. Um, you know, being a romantic, I also recognize that my emotional intensity, like I want to do everything and I want to do it now and this is amazing and wonderful and, and fantastic and I just, I feel things so deeply and I'm, um, and I'm sensitive. Like I wear my, my heart on my sleeve. I, I, I cry. And I want to hug, and I, I, I hate you, and I love you all in the scope of three seconds. <laughs> and I also have like this, this deep appreciation of beauty, right? Uh, a sunset, a sunrise, a rainbow, beauty in all its forms. An old person, a couple holding hands, uh, kids playing in the park art, music, I just, I appreciate it all, even like uh, phrases, like someone said, uh, I forget what they, what they said, but I was like, oh my God, that, that was such a beautiful way of putting it, uh, food, uh, the way, it just, I, I like going to, I don't drink, but I love going to bars, because I romanticized the whole, you know, just being dark and brooding, in a bar. So I just love watching um, the bartenders make drinks and I love the energy and the vibe of a bar. It's just so romantic. Like I remember being in college and I would study. I would take my, my schoolwork and go to a bar and study. Like I kind of needed that stimulation and it just made me feel like something was happening around me. Um, and then also as a romantic, like I'm prone to massive romantic gestures. Uh, I remember one time I was dating this girl. Don't tell my girlfriend now. But it was Valentine's Day. I hadn't gotten her anything because I wanted to get her something big and grand or unexpected. And then as luck would have it, um, I'm walking, I'm about to walk into the building, and then a bus, a busload of tourists pull up. And as they're getting off, 
our window, our apartment window was facing the busload of tourists getting off because we lived in uh, Venice at the time. And that's a huge tourist uh, spot. And so I asked this busload of tourists. It had to be 50 or 60 of them. And I said, can you help me wish my girlfriend a happy Valentine's Day? And so I call her to the window, and then she sees me standing out there with this, with 60 people. And I think they were all Asian or whatever. They all had their phones out. And I feel bad because I think they actually thought I was going to propose. And in that moment, I almost did just because I was so wrapped up in the emotional intensity of it. I was like, I should just propose. Like, look, I got 60 people here. This is so unexpected. She, she's definitely going to she's gonna say yes. She has to say yes. I got 60 people that got their phones out. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, but, like, I love those big romantic gestures, those, like, you know, the cars are going to pick you up at 8. There's a jet for you at 9. It's gonna, we're going to go to Paris, like that kind of thing, right? Um, and then I just had this, this longing for love stories. I read Michelle love stories at night um, from the New York Times, uh, the Modern Love. They have a section in the New York Times called Modern Love, and they, they print it out once a week on Sundays. And it's these, they're not necessarily romantic love stories. I mean, sometimes they're like heartbreaking. But there's stories about love nonetheless, whether it was unrequited love or, you know, happily ever after love or the, the struggles of love, whatever it was, um, they, they, they cover it all. And, and so I, I love reading those, and I love reading love letters. I, have, I think I have two books. One is like Love Letters of Great Men, and then another one uh, of Love Stories. Michelle doesn't like either one of those too much. She loves the modern love stories, so we stick to those. But, you know, there are um, perils. There, is, uh, there are challenges that come with being a romantic, right? One is I recognize uh, it sets me up for unrealistic expectations, right? I just like I said, I have this idealized, idealized uh, vision of love and relationships like I should do this and a woman does that um, and the relationship should be like this and it just sets us up for unrealistic standards which then leaves me feeling disappointed or dissatisfied and it's all because it doesn't match my fantasies and then you know when you're romantic you experience heartbreak so much heartbreak because nothing's living up to to what you expected, and the, the other person typically can't match your your level, or at least my level of like of of emotional depth of the 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 passion, the um the the like I'm just like I like it's almost like I don't ever want to let the person go. And and so when they when we break up when they leave I just feel like I'm in pieces I feel like I've been like dismembered and you know my leg thrown over there my arm over there 
Like it's just complete heartbreak. I just like that was that was that person was like my lifeline, you know. Um, and when you, you know, being a romantic, I, I look back at my older relationships. I've been with Michelle for four years, and and this is the first time I was like, okay, let me go into this objectively and. You know, that's why we have a therapist and a couples therapist and I have an individual therapist to because I can overlook compatibility very easily, right? I can I because I'm I'm just such in that pursuit of romance and emotions and that I'll overlook if, you know, we even have shared values or long term goals and and if we, you know, if our communication styles match up, which obviously leads to challenges down the road right um yeah yeah you just i don't ask those questions i don't i don't i'm not looking for depth which is you know profound to, to say that as i'm as i'm saying that like i'm not I, I i want everything to be i want everything to be brochure like you know which obviously then uh, um leads me to have like difficulty with boundaries what what are boundaries what we don't need fences we don't need to lock our doors we don't need walls <laughs> i i you know if you if you're like me like you end up having issues of prioritizing my partner's needs and desires it's like what, what do you need i got you what you want i got like I'm I'm thinking about you before I'm even thinking about me, which obviously leads to codependency and imbalance and all those things. So if something happens to you, I'm undone. I'm un I'm untethered. I'm flying too close to the sun. That's no bueno, right? And then part of it is just like I have a fear of being alone. I'm an introvert, but I don't want to be alone alone. I'm not trying to I'm not like I'm not trying to do Leo Flowers party of one forever. Like let's you know, let's be real. I don't want to be. I need to, um, you know. I want that. I want that perfect partner. That perfect partner. Isn't that you know? That's when you're romantic. Is like she's got to be this and that and that and this and this and that. And I and I've broken up with a lot of amazing women, wonderful women. Because they weren't that perfect partner. You know, we want that idealized, that ro romantic. And when you don't have boundaries, I've, I've been taken advantage of. That, that the emotional openness and, and, uh, has left me susceptible to being taken advantage of. To being manipulated uh, to spending more time than I should have with selfish individuals. And and this is not, uh, I don't want to, anybody, if my, any of my exes are listening in, I'm not attacking anyone. But I mean, just in general, not even just romantically, in business, I've been taken advantage of. You know, so... Uh, professionally, privately, you know, I just, I'm like, oh yeah, like I just romanticize positions and and people and hierarchy and all these things. 
And so I'm, I'm not asking deeper questions. I'm not doing my due diligence. I'm just, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping things work out like they do in all those movies, right? And then because of the heartbreak, the, the dependency, it just makes it hard for me to, to move on. It takes me so long to recover, months, years, before I can get into the next relationship. Like I just, you know, I just start sabotaging myself. So if you recognize yourself as a romantic, it's, it's okay. Embrace that. Accept that. There's, you know, but, but that then that might mean that. You need a, a therapist or a coach or a friend or someone that you can bounce your ideas off of, someone that you feel like you can be honest with and trust with what you're sharing with them so that they can, you know, they can kind of watch your six. They can, they can watch your back and say, hey, you know, I don't know if that's the best person for you to be with because of A, B, A, B, and C. And what, what tends to happen is as a romantic, we cut those people out. We cut out the people who would give us the objective perspective, who would, who would have the courage to be honest with us. So, you know, find a way. Um, you know, even maybe journaling if you find that there's a person you can't talk to. So you can kind of notice patterns, journal you know, just the behaviors, not what you're feeling, but just the behaviors of yourself, of the other person. And then you'll, you'll, the, the, the patterns will be right there in front of you. They'll be undeniable. But there's nothing wrong with being a romantic. Just, just know that that's who you are and that's how you operate. And then be able to recognize when um, it's starting to get you in trouble. I mean, some people who are romantics, they, they write, you know, they get into movies and theater and acting and uh, you know, all these. They find a way to channel it and so that it, it works for them. And I believe you can, too. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. If you found value in this episode, please share it with one other person so that you two can have a conversation about, you know, your romantic ideals and how that's worked out and how it's worked for you, how it's hurt you, so that you can build a community and a conversation and a connection. Let's get to tomorrow together.